Hello. Welcome to Cruising in the Light and Shadow. My name is Anana Moon, and today I have an amazing guest. Um, but at first, here I would like to start with a quote from Margot Adler. And her words are, The world is holy. Nature is holy. The body is holy. Sexuality is holy. The imagination is holy. Divinity is imminent in nature. It is within you as well as without. Most spiritual paths ultimately lead people to the understanding of their own connection to the divine. While human beings are often cut off from experiencing the deep and ever-present connection between themselves and the universe, that connection can often be regained through ceremony and community. The energy you put out into the world comes back. I am uh, introducing a dear friend and wise man, Merlin. Um, he has been studying the arts magical since the 70s. In 1990, he founded the Celestial Order, the Celestial Order of Bards, Ovids, and Druids, with the idea of combining traditional Druidism with the teachings of Terence McKenna. I'm going to ask you about Terence as well. Since that time, he has written multiple rites for the eight major holy days, diverse full moons, and conducted nearly 400 circles. Merlin's novel, Ariel and Electra, subtitled <laughs> Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll, Light Shows and Magic in Space is a way of looking at the future of paganism as well as shamanic temple drama in the coming age. Um, and you have a forthcoming book, is that correct? The Book of the Celestial, an exhaustive compendium of his writings on the adventure thus far. Yeah. I hope he's sharing. He's definitely sharing some of his adventure thus far. Welcome, Merlin. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be gazing upon your serene <laughs> oh, self. Oh, and likewise. Yeah. Oh. What a wonderful opportunity. It is. It is. I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you, and um, I know the listeners will be, too. Um, so let's just start off. It's, I feel like I'm giving you one question, and then you'll just go, basically. Um, I, I can do that. Yeah. What, is, what has been... So Merlin is um, definitely an author, but he you lead ritual. You, 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 you know, I've, I've known you in so many aspects of your life. Let's just go. I will go here. What is your spiritual journey? What has been your spiritual journey thus far? Oh, well, I'll tell you a story. All right. Back in, oh, my, my junior college days at LACC, I had the opportunity to be the entertainment editor of the paper. Okay, cool. I like that. <laughs> uh, and in the process, I got invited to um, an event for this filmmaker, Conrad Rooks. He was going to appear on the David Frost show. Oh, yes. I said, okay, cool. Now, this guy, Conrad Rooks, had made a film called Chappaqua, which is available somewhere. And in the film, which was about him shedding his heroin addiction, he spent his entire inheritance on making this film. He's an interesting guy. Hmm. He went on to do two other films, on two Herman Hesse books, another story. 
Anyway, <laughs> on the show with Conrad Rooks was one of the featured people in the movie, Sajidananda. Yes. And when Sajidananda came into the studio, the vibration shifted. It was palpable. It went, oh, and suddenly, you know, he had my full attention. At the end of the show, I had a chance to meet Sajidananda because I'd, at this point, become on first-name basis with a Conrad Rooks press secretary. Mm-hmm. And I shook Sajidananda's hand, and it was like, Shakti, you know, it was incredible, wonderful change in my own vibration. Then, okay, that was a great thing. I went out and I bought every book I could find by Sajdananda. I got his his, uh, vinyl album, (laughs) which now is probably... He had an album, all right. Yeah, number one on the the, uh, Enlightened Being Hit Parade. Wow. Anyway. So, okay, so well and good. That was that experience. Then two weeks later, I'm at my friend Joel's bar mitzvah at a temple right around the corner from my house. This is after I've saturated myself with the Middle Eastern joys of Sajdananda. And there was a rabbi there conducting the bar mitzvah. And I met him after the performance, after the bar mitzvah itself where, you know, the all that stuff goes on. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to one. <laughs> and, and and I shook his hand, and he had the same energy as Sajdananda. Oh. And I'm going, oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I've come to this kind of uh, universalist understanding of religion that, that th- if you're holy, you're holy. You know, it doesn't matter how many points you have on your star. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, no matter how, how many points you have on your star. I, I agree with that in that um, I studied in India with uh, yogis in an organization that was so beautiful and there was so much meditation. And I, would, I didn't know at that point that I was uh, clairvoyant. But I kept wow. seeing a surge of light happen around people. And every time there was deep meditation, and it went deeper and deeper with these yogis, um, the, the, the light turned up. And then I was also, because I was now with a whole group of people, I could see a light kind of developing over the heads of the crowd and then over my own head when I would meditate. And in time, I even though I didn't know what, that was I was seeing. I do know that intuitively, as I was teaching meditation, something would start to happen where I would know what was going on for someone in their minds, in their consciousness. Um, and it always seemed to be to me like there was an exchange of light going on. Um, and then add to that, as years went on, I would see, um, I would see the Dalai Lama. I would, you know, if I saw. Um, different holy people giving talks, um, I would, they either had a light around them or it would start to develop and like weave itself over them and around them and then around the people um, that were sitting there watching them speak. And I thought exactly that in time. I was like, this is what happens with holy people. This is how you 
this is how you know someone is really connected in some way. It didn't matter the connection, didn't matter the religion. It's just that there was there would be a connection of some kind that would happen, and it was a charged, beautiful energy. So that's fascinating that you, <laughs> to me anyway, that, that that experience is something you were seeing. Yeah. Well, so it, it became you, one of the yeah. cornerstones of my way of looking at religion and the world. Ah. Um, which I will get in to. Way? All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, in, in, in what way, though? You could go ahead and if you want to go there, that's wonderful. And also, you know, I, one of the things I learned from Merlin or learned about from Merlin was druidry, that, ex, that it still exists today. Um, so if you want to talk about that, that would be wonderful. Well, I, I'm fascinated by your experience. When did you go to India? Um, I was in my early 30s then. Um, and I was, like I said, I was with uh, Raj Yoga Organization. And so, and I studied in Rajasthan, uh, Mount Abu. It would be an hour, it was a 17-hour train ride um, from New Delhi to Rajasthan, the base of the mountains, and then taking a bus ride, an hour bus ride, so it felt like straight up um, this mountain to Mount Abu, which had been a place for where small kings, little kings, had their palaces and so forth. And we're talking about in the 1700s, 1800s, and so forth. And um, that there were, um, but this is where the yogis had their, the Raj yogis had their large center called Madhuban. And they would have seasons for spiritual students. And the American season was usually in uh, March or April, uh, just as springtime was coming in. And the, the different Raj Yoga teachers would gather and give lots and lots of talks. There were lots and lots of classes um, and lots and lots of meditation from 4 a.m. in the morning through the evenings. And you came away, usually you'd spend, you'd spend whatever time you wanted. It could be four days, it could be two weeks. And I usually went for two weeks at a time, especially after that first time, because it changed you. It helped you know yourself. You got deeper as a person and you had Raj Yoga um, in, in this particular practice was really about deep tapasya meditation. So you learn to deal with yourself and deal in silence. Um, you could talk, you know, during dinner and walking around, or you could stay in silence if you wanted to, but, but the meditation sessions were very, very deep. The classes helped you deal with yourself, your own emotional baggage and so forth, um, with all of these very evolved yogis and I, w I was fascinated enough to keep going. I went three times to India, but then I was also with the organization here in, in California. So, yeah, that. <laughs> and I, I honestly did not know until probably it took me probably 10 years of being in that practice, loving that and learning so much. But that's where my intuition developed. How beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing you in white robes, you know. I, was, I wore a white sari. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. Oh, see, you're in your intuition, of course. <laughs> well, it's hardly that. It's just, that would that would be the thing to do. Yeah. 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 You join in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how did your so you you felt all? I'm curious too. For you, you felt all of this. You were you you watched Satchitananda. Um, speak and you felt his vi- you saw his energy you felt his vibration had you always been able to do that or was that the f- that sounds like that was the first time you really it was a revelation a yes All right. <laughs> oh it's okay Ooh. <laughs> yeah so I'd, I'd been exposed to Ram Das and be here now right it didn't really like come home to me until I met Sajidananda that oh. was really intense so why druidry? How did that come into your life? Uh, <laughs> and would you even call it that now? Would I was just picturing druidry coming into my life as a <laughs> black cat padding across the floor. Oh, hello, uh, druidry. Druidry, <laughs> my old friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I found a teacher, a magical teacher. In uh, 1980, 82, in there, at the Renaissance Fair. At the Renaissance Fair in Agura, where Celestial mm. has been holding circles ever since 1995. Yes. However, I digress. Uh, <laughs> her name is uh, Merrily, and she's mm. wonderful. And she basically showed me what it is and where it's at for magic she she knew and she was able to transmit that knowledge at least in part to me because she knows a lot more than me and <laughs> so uh after three years of knowing merrily she asked me if i wanted to be an initiate with her group her mm-hmm. uh, wiccan group mm-hmm. and i was with them for four years got my gold cord, and learned a whole lot. But at that point, you know, I thought, you know, this isn't entirely me yet. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I have trouble calling myself a witch, because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Yeah. But, oh, if I call myself a druid, that nicely sums up all the things that I believe and know. And at that point, I was, I was like on fire. I was inflamed with creativity and wrote the first of uh, what was to be many rites that followed. All right. It was for Imbolc, which is... You wrote several for Imbolc? We've talked about Imbolc on the show before. <laughs> okay. Um, so what, um, what is it... I guess I want to take it into what is it you believe then in your look at spirituality, whether we call it druidry or not? What are your, what are the basic tenets? Sure. Or thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is, basically. This is my take on druidism and religion and where they fit together. Druidism being an eclectic mix of prominent occult thought and Celtic traditions mm-hmm. uh, is essentially a set of concepts and beliefs that are only generally agreed to. It's like, 
it's really generally it's really a yeah. challenge to yeah. get two druids to agree. I you know as, as, yeah. <laughs> as it is with, with most pagans, you know. That's gonna be true, yeah. Every see there's every there's, individual <laughs> has their own line of belief, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no central book. It's not like having a, a Bible. There's many books. <laughs> and yeah. Anyway, uh Druidism is both a religion and a philosophy. Yeah. And to be accurate, it should be seen against the backdrop of general religious experience. You know, is Druidism a religion or a philosophy? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I got this from Tom Wolfe in a lecture Kool-Aid acid test. He says that religions are formed around folks who have direct experience of the divine. Usually in a psychedelic or mind-altered state from which they return with revelations. Mm -hmm. uh, reading the histories of various religions, you will see that there's a case to be made for that. <laughs> yes. When they come back, their friends want to know what they've learned, right? right? And those people become disciples. And those friends go out and contact other friends, and they become followers or whatever word you choose to use and it's all basically where one person has the direct experience, experience. of the divine yes and other people regard that person as a master a teacher but they don't generally partake of the religious experience that brought that person to those revelations now that's fascinating it's true right. though isn't it is it? very true Yes. Yeah. 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 Why would you say that's the case? Because um, it truly, in in my experience too, on this journey, um, people will say they have the desire to have those experiences or go beyond just a general knowledge, but very few do. Very few will go more deeply after they have found someone they maybe the best way to say it is resonate with whoever has had the experience for me everything changed in the 60s yes <laughs> because america did not have a shamanic tradition true it didn't have yoga for the most part it was you know a rarity to find another yogi at that time Mm -hmm. Etc. The the consciousness was very very um, conservative. Then psychedelics happened, and suddenly everyone could have religious experiences on their own. Yes, they didn't need a teacher. Yes. very often they didn't need anyone to guide them, mm -hmm. and people explored. They went out there and checked out the universe and had that experience of, the direct experience of the divine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is that mind-opening, revelatory moment where all things are one thing, and all that can be known is known. Yes, yes. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I would say there's that, um, whether you're connecting to the elements um, in a deeply spiritual way or connecting to 
spiritual beings, ascended masters, um, gods, goddesses, whatever you call them, the fae, the fairies, um, when you feel like you're con- you're connected to something almost beyond speech that connects you, then it almost it takes you on a journey right into the into a universal source knowledge. Yeah. You say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be perfectly clear about this, the first rite that I, I devised, that Imbolc rite, was 70 pages long. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but that included, that included the background material and a bunch of quotes. Oh, okay. So uh, it also included an, an initiation, easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> and the initiation involved uh, taking mushrooms in a sacred context. So we had a temple in the mountains, mm-hmm. stone walls. It was nice and isolated. And we launched into this rite, not really knowing what would happen because there was no history that we knew of at that time of magical groups eating mushrooms and doing magic. And it was... You'd not heard of, of that or know, known about like shamanic... Practices well, shamanic practices were, were really kind of in the shadows. Oh, that's at that their point. own thing. Oh, yes. And okay. As I said, okay. you know, America did not have a tradition True. of yeah. any kind of shamanism other than psychedelics, which, you know, had its teachers and its leaders. Yes. But that's another story. Yeah. Terrence McKenna, right? <laughs> Among others, yeah. Among others, okay. I met Terrence McKenna four times. He was amazing. He was the most literate, articulate person I've ever met, mm-hmm. with the possible exception of Timothy Leary. Ooh. So I had 20 minutes with Timothy Leary Who while he met? was waiting to do a play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's I have another so story many questions, too. but yes. <laughs> it will, it, we will go off topic if we go there. Exciting, however. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. So, so how did this ritual go? Let's go. Let's go. Let's try. I'll try and contain it. <laughs> how it did went that ritual go? Really well, actually. And All right. It was it was deep and it All was right. powerful, and no one like had a bad experience, which is always important. Excellent. And well, you had created sacred space too, which I think. If you're on psychedelics, I have not done that, but um, that helps, doesn't it? Didn't you, you, you did something to create a space that people knew they were part of? Yes. Okay. Traditional magical practices, which have since become celestial practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we follow the basic Gerald Gardner seven set uh, way to go to set up sacred space. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, uh, in that sense, it's conservative. However, we, we often get high before we start, which helps, opens up the mind. Yes. For most, it's not mandatory. And in the process of doing that, uh, it's a lot easier for me to become bardic and speak sooth and, and quote poetry and be a poet my own self. I'm going to stop for a moment and ask you to explain um, being a bard. I'm pretty sure that is not something we've talked about 
here, but it certainly goes hand in hand with druidry and the elemental. Um, go ahead and explain bard, bard, and how it um, how it actually is a spiritual movement. Okay. Please. There's a, a group called the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. Yes. Which I must clarify, Celestial is not officially affiliated with. Oh. However, they have a wonderful set of course materials hmm. that I heartily recommend. And they draw in people who are bards and people who are druids. And the course is three years and it's comprehensive and Goodness. Uh, recommended. Right. But this sounds like a spiritual experience for you, how the bard, it sounds like the bard sort of opened, the bard within you opened itself to the opportunity to speak. Would you say that's... I would, I would hope so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Some, sometimes uh, the moonlight is on and sometimes not. It's oh, okay. <laughs> so let me tell right. you about, about Robin Williamson. Please. He is a musician, a very fine musician. He plays everything. Uh, he prefers a citern, Scottish bagpipes, and especially the harp. But he has usually comes on stage with eight or nine of the things. Mm-hmm. Now, in the 60s, he was a member of the Incredible String Band. Oh, and yes. Okay. if you're not familiar with their music, there's a lot of it on YouTube. Now, he for me, is the quintessential example of the modern bard. He's got a lot of material out there, also on YouTube, and he's worth checking out. Now, he said at one of the lectures that he gave, in order to be a bard, you have to know 2,000 songs and 1,000 stories. And the way that druids got to where they were druids was by taking a 20-year course that included learning all these songs and stories. Now, every time a druid would learn a song or story, he'd notch his staff or her staff, as the case may be. Hmm. And when the staff was completely full of notches, that was when the druid was ready to go out into the world. All right. Now, the, the stories and the songs that they told were, in a sense, parables and ways of exploring consciousness. Mm-hmm. And many of them are enshrined in the literature, the Mabinogian, for example. Yes. Uh, but it, was, it was the bards who were responsible for inspiring people and bringing them to the light in many ways. And that was why they were also druids in, the, in many cases. So that's more the definition of a druid bringing bringing a consciousness or bringing something or someone to the light? Uh, ideally, yeah. Okay. A lot of shamanic practices map over. Yes. For example, yes. the idea of going to the other world to get healing for a person in this world. Yes. That's part of the druidical writ. It's part of the concept. Yeah. Have you done that work as well? Uh, once. Right. Once, right. it was uh, it was intense. Um, let's wait again. So many questions. Let's go back then. So 
the the right that you're speaking of, and um, <clears throat> you, there there was the taking of mushrooms. But what happens for people? It's not just oh goody, I get to take psychedelics. Um, what is the experience or the intention that people might set for themselves? I wouldn't know. We right. we don't usually discuss that. I only All know right. what what's in my own head and heart. There was one night where we were similar, similarly uh, occupied mm-hmm. with mushrooms, and suddenly I had this desire to go into this space. We were under the house in a basement room, and the house was built into the side of the mountain, into the very bone of the mountain, so we could actually mm. touch the bedrock. And I went into this one room, uh, which had been used for uh, ceremonial bathing, <laughs> and I knew intrinsically and completely that I was in the presence of God. And it was such an overwhelming, joyful feeling that I didn't have any uh, intellectuality going on at all. I didn't have any questions to ask, you know. I was perfectly content just to be there basking. Um, So, yeah, that that fulfilled my unspoken intention. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. um, Yeah, you would want at that point just to be in the moment and allow yourself to be to experience rather than <laughs> like by the way I have a few questions for you <laughs> I'd be honored that oh, would be grand. T- tremendous all right so what else do you want to tell us <laughs> well I have about five or six hundred pages of yes. notes here <laughs> uh, I, I have well, a, we better get started. <laughs> no, no, please, whatever, whatever you want to share, I think is what I'm okay. excited to hear. All right. Um, but I thought people would want an idea of what druidry. Thank you of what druidry is, um, and so you've given. That's wonderful. You've given that. But what would you like? What's the essence of what you'd like to share today? Well, I'd I'd love to just ramble on about druidism, if I may. Please, <laughs> by all means, yes. Uh, Druid, spelled D-R-U-I-W-I-D, mm-hmm. is Irish Celtic, and it can be translated as oak wisdom, oak wisdom, mm. oak or tree-wise. Wisdom, yeah. Now, my friend Rain of the Purple Forest says, we live upside down, and the oaks live right side up with their heads in the earth and their roots in the air. Yes. <laughs> now, <laughs> the goal of the Druid is to become the oak, living on water and light, part of the pattern, part of all that is, was, and will be. The way of the druid is through the veil, from this life to the next and back again, or another way, traversing the concentric spheres of form and spirit and divinity, abred, guinfed, kogent, that's Welsh, or another way, crossing into the parallel realm of Anun to retrieve knowledge or power, that shamanic thing we were talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. or another way, looking forward in time and speaking sooth. Speaking the, so sooth being the truth. Right? Sooth being uh, telling about what is going to come. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A druid sings of all that is 
all that is. A druid's dreams delve other dimensions. A druid's fuel is the magical wind of cosmic love. Okay, I'll stop there. You have questions. <laughs> Boy, do I. Um, where do you, because uh, I definitely want to get this in, where do you um, hold your rituals? Because I have, I've um, been honored to have gotten to experience um, some of your rituals. They are... Um, there was a there was a period there where I couldn't wait <laughs> because I was just learning so much. Um, do you are you still holding rituals? Well, the situation is kind of strange at the moment, mm-hmm. and has given me more time to work on my book. But back at Hallow's Eve on October thirty first of last year, we had a marvelous ancestor connection right. And it worked really well, and I'm walking away feeling satisfied. And the walk to the hill on which we do our work is about a mile. Yes. And this particular time, uh, I was really not doing well. I was having some chest aches, and I was short of breath, Mm. and ended up like having a really difficult evening of it health-wise. So... Four days after that, I was in Boulder, Colorado, and got news that the park, Paramount Ranch Park, had had the fire sweep through it, and there yes. was significant damage. Right. So I thought, well, this is a good time for me to take a break while the earth recuperates, <laughs> which I'm glad to say it's doing really well. Uh, it's growing. However, so it's growing back fast then. It is. It's great. It is. Great. So I'm, my health is improving. Paramount Ranch is improving. <laughs> Do, is there a feeling you're connected somehow? Somehow, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My goodness. Okay. And at, at some point soon, I'm inclined to go back there and continue the magical and do, work. Oh, please, yeah. please That makes do. me happiest is being in my magical head, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, you hold such beautiful space for... For whatever work, and having seen a lot of people um, or experienced being being there myself, but being with a lot of people and seeing that everyone has their own intentions and their own reasons for being there, um, um, you know, it took me a while to understand it. It was the recognition that the the land was holding space, but then you and spirit. Um, holding space for those rituals. If you want to contact me, you may do so through Inanna. I suppose there's an email address for the podcast. Yes, there is. There is. Um, I would also, how about Facebook by any chance? Yeah, Facebook is good. Uh, There's a a Facebook page for Celestial Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids. Perfect. There's a Facebook page for me, R. Merlin. Okay. And I will be happy to send out this backgrounder to anyone who's interested and even be available to speak if that's called for. That would be exciting. You know, I want to I want just a <laughs> so much. Um but let me come back to something just briefly. Um and this sounds scary when I say just briefly. History just where would, where could you say from the Celts 
does the period of the Druids exist um, or show itself? As far back as 5,000 years ago. 5,000 years ago. Yeah. All right. Druids were the shamanic center of the Celtic tribes. And, of course, the Celtic tribes ranged far and wide and originally 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. started out in uh, Eastern Europe, actually, and oh. migrated very slowly across the European continent until they finally reached the Celtic lands. And the way it would work is a family would uh, say, oh, I think we'll farm over in the next, the next valley or there, you know. <laughs> and right. th- they, would, they would move, and they would move maybe f- a few miles and then one of the kids would grow up, and he said, I think I'll fire him in the next valley or there a while. And he'd move three or five miles, and so forth. And generationally, this migration occurred. Now, the Celtic Golden Age ran mm. from about 1,000 uh, BCE to the incursion of the Romans in the 2nd to 4th centuries. Goodness. Yeah. And during this amazing thousand-year flowering of art, technology, culture, uh, the Druids uh, were relied upon to tell people when to plant, what the weather was going to be, how to heal, uh, many etc. They were responsible for uh, Brian Law in Ireland. They were considered, Brians were, were like legal yeah. people. And there's... Ah. Okay. There's many different stripes of druids, and they fulfilled many different roles. That was my understanding, that there were different <laughs> different brands of druids. Okay. Um, yeah. I could talk about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> can we bring it down just a couple of No, no. I, 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 <laughs> like I was going to say. Um, and... Um, the, the ones I maybe know a little more about because of friends, Druid friends who are Welsh, is that even today, there I mean, there may have been a break in the spirituality um, because of um, religious differences, Christianity and such, but, but um, they still hold rites and they hold festivals and so forth in, in Wales. I don't know where else, though. I don't know if there are, you know, in Ireland or <laughs> Scotland or Cornwall, for instance. Um, but they, it, it seems like that's been some of the traditions or the way of looking at the traditions and then holding rites still goes on today, not only, you know, a little in this country, but there as well. It's true. Oh. The hotbed of druidical activity in Los Angeles is the Green Man store. Ah, yes. It's really good to hook up with those guys. Definitely. Um, The the main person there, Griffin Kedd. Griffin, right. Is, he, he rocks. He's really wonderful. He does circle in the same way that I do. So, of course, I think he's great. <laughs> and he's really good at raising energy. Right. And it's yeah. a center for uh, enlightenment, knowledge, learning, and lots of good books. Recommended. Excellent. That's wonderful. Um, I think, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have to, to um, wind down here. Um, 
I have already asked Merlin to come back because of the compendium of knowledge that he has and his, um, I would say, five, six, seven hundred pages that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, but, but we talked about you doing perhaps something along the lines of, and it may change, but something along the lines of a, a portion of a ritual the next time that you come. Um, you... You showed me, and I've, I've actually done this ritual with you, and it was my first time really coming to understand something of reincarnation um, from within my own experience. Um, it's the Alba, you, you can say it. What's the right you would like to share next time? <laughs> oh, I would be pleased. It's uh, our Alban Elvid right. Elvid right, all right. And it's a way of journeying to past lives. Yes. And experiencing past lives. It's a regression. Right. And, yeah. of course, it's framed up uh, within a great poem called Praithu Anun, which is mm. about the voyages of Arthur in the ship Pridwin. So, the, yeah, it, it works. It's it, giving me chills We usually right have eight or nine people doing it. Mm -hmm. And usually about three-quarters of them have something happen. I know I did, yeah. definitely, definitely, absolutely. Steve did also, oh, yeah. for sure. Yes, so um, what you, we won't be able, <clears throat> probably wouldn't be appropriate to do it all online the next time, but you wanted to share at that time, um, when, when we next meet, <laughs> um, some portion of it, though. Sure. Right? Just for clarification's sake, the psychedelic rites that we did we yes. only performed them for one year ah, and the reason right. for that is that the group of people was not ready to unite in the magical way that was required on that very high level yeah. so actually we have not done specifically psychedelic rites since then all right. Yeah. So okay. it was not necessary it seemed because we, we had gone there we'd learned we came back and you were able to do it without the psychedelics. The lessons learned mm -hmm. stuck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's been my understanding as well. Beautiful. All right. Thank you. Um, what I was hoping that you would do, we could do a tarot reading, have <laughs> you draw a card. Um, because this has just been something we've been doing for a long time. I would love to see what card comes up for you. As would <laughs> I. Um, and then I will ask you to share a quote or a meditation, um, something meaningful for you. But here, let's cut these cards. I might have something. A little something? Okay. Oh, here. yeah. Here, let's go ahead and have you... Okay, I can do this. Yeah. All right, excellent. Shuffle papers. Shuffle paper, yes. <laughs> You're hearing the <laughs> shuffling of papers. Okay. And just draw, just draw one card, and I'll see what it's showing you for this day. Ooh, Ace of Swords. Uh, the things that come up for this is a... Yeah, um... An, an idea whose time has come, a plan of action, um, swords, since they're about thoughts and ideas, also mean what, what are you planning to write 
or are you continuing to write? Um, it's I find it fascinating. The other thing I'm being told is um, or reminded of is um, this is about the Arthurian legend. There's Excalibur. So you drew Excalibur today. Wow. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about the, the plan, the inspiration of your journey going forward, which is really exciting, and maybe all of our journeys with you. So there is your card for the day. Thank you, my dear. <laughs> That's Blessings. a lovely card. That's really a good card. It is. It's, yes. Yes. Um, so I am going to ask you, please, as we end today, um, to read something that's meaningful to you. All right. I'll set this up. All right. So in my novel, Ariel and Electra, I really tried to stretch the boundaries of... Oops. I make noise. I really tried to stretch the boundaries of language. And... <laughs> I, I came up with a lot of my own grammar, punctuation, spelling, etc. So <laughs> uh, let me know if you are to read this book and I'll arrange that to happen. Yay. Okay, so we're on a ship called the Ariel and we're way the heck out there in uh, a world that encompasses the nine inner planets. And at this point in time, there's been a great migration of people into space. And this particular ship is artists and musicians. And th what they do is they fly around and do shows mm -hmm. and meet people and have adventures. So our hero has just encountered Electra uh, of Ariel and Electra. Hmm. Electra is a fairly sentient uh, construct. And I could talk about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> but he's, he's come together with Electra, and this is the encounter that they have aboard this ship. A week later in my blue velvet cabin, close on with Electra, a whiff of hyssop. This ritual is about the transfer of personal energies as currents, one of us to the other, in 3D space. This ritual is about visualizing these transfers as the interplay of sprays and throws of light, then awesomely, magically manifesting these lights around us. This ritual is about exploring high levels of awareness, of attunement with my craft-working paramour, and pleasure is the measure of the working. Picture two beings, Elector and myself, floating in the lotus pentagram position. This is in free fall. Hmm. Hands at our folded knees, facing each other. We are in free fall magical gear, with psychic crowns and balance belts and amplifier body jewels. And we are hugely steeped in spice. Spice is what I'm calling this alien-derived psychedelic that hmm. permeates the novel. And uh, it's an homage to Frank Herbert, just yes, so you know. Yes, yes, Dune. <laughs> okay. So here I am with Electra. 
We make our magical connection solid and deep. We embrace, return to lotus and begin spin drifting, matching to each other our flexures and our curves. And as sensate beings, we both reach out and between our separate reaching, single fingertips almost touching, we cast a spark of blue. So you visualize this. There are two people whose fingertips are almost touching, connected by blue sparks. Mm. I like that. Uh, anyway, Very it goes much. on like this for a goodly number of pages. <laughs> I think that's a good enough taste. Right Is that there. a taste? Okay. Yeah. I thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Um, so we are going to close today um, with saying thank you very much, Merlin, for being here. Um, we're definitely going to have you here again if you so desire and um, and and share more of your work um, that would be that that this is this is exactly what we're looking for and we're looking for you you actually mentioned being able to spend some time doing a visualization that everyone perhaps can share in so we're yeah. looking forward to that for sure. I would love to come back. Yay. Thank yeah. you. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Um, and um, my thanks to Paul Preston, my podcast technician, to Kevin McLeod for the music. Um, a thank you to Allison Warner as my social media consultant and dear friend. And listeners, please keep cruising through your light and shadows. Join me in two more weeks. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be.